wrestling fans, our latest audio documentary, Slang Sativ, went live last Monday. You can listen to all five episodes now on this platform. That's Slang Sativ, a five-part audio documentary on the biggest upset in Olympic wrestling history. Dude, you know what? One thing that I think about the race, Ryan, is when you look back on it, um, I think it was so special for the people that were experiencing it because they had never seen the two of us be this vulnerable. You know, like we were more vulnerable than you've ever been in your entire life. Like I'm talking, like you said, your wrestlers only see you in a certain light. This was the darkest of moments when they were helping us get through those tough times. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back after a week hiatus. It's Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Thank you so much for tuning in. As you know, we released Slaying Satyev last Monday. It's a five-part audio documentary chronicling one of the biggest upsets in wrestling history when Brandon Slay took out Bovisar Satyev. So we cover that entire story in our most recent five-part audio documentary, Slaying Satyev, as we said, went live last Monday. But we're back with a new episode with the University of Wisconsin coaches, John Reeder and Chris Bono. They recently ran a 100-mile foot race and lived to tell the tale. That's what we talk about in this episode, folks. Fan of the week goes to Gons underscore M. Thank you so much for leaving an Apple iTunes review. A lot of love for Slaying Sativa. And thank you for everyone who's listened to Slaying Sativa in the past two weeks. It's just been amazing to see the, uh, the support we've gotten. As always, folks, this podcast is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Yanni D., the great Yanni Yakamahalis, recently released his new uh, clothing line on Spartan Combat. So go to SpartanCombat.com to check out the Yanni D. line. There's t-shirts, there's a jersey, and there's a few singlets on there. SpartanCombat.com. All right, folks, let's get to the episode with John Reeder and Chris the Badger Bono. Hey, guys, quick caveat. For this interview, I pulled a rookie move and forgot to use the proper microphone. So my audio in this interview is actually from my MacBook speaker. So I really do apologize. Rookie mistake, but hey, it happens to the best of us. Enjoy. Let's just take it from the top. I don't know who wants to take this, but how did this idea germinate? What was the first thought of it? 
So it, it all was born from, from, we have a buddy, a mutual friend. Uh, it's, it's Chris's brother's friend that we kind of met during quarantine. It all happened. Um, he's got a foundation that he does a lot of research for. And um, we kind of got pulled into this Facebook group over, over quarantine. You know, we weren't runners ourselves, but we were just trying to figure out ways to, to, to get exhausted during quarantine. We're stuck in our houses and, you know, one thing led to another. We got pulled into this group and we met this individual named Pete Rittmaster, Rittmaster. Um, just an incredible individual that, you know, he's crazy. He's batshit crazy. Um, he does, you know, that? he does. Well, I'll tell you this. He does a foot race, the Iditarod, you know, the Iditarod for the dogs, but he does yeah. it by, you know, himself. Right. And he did the entire thing. He's done it three times, Chris. Yeah. yeah. He's won it. He's won it once. I mean, just an insane guy that, you know, that, that kind of shows you his kind of mentality. He's like, he's just like us, man. He went to the Iditarod, walked it right. And he finished last the first time he did it, or he didn't finish the first time. And then he finished last and he's like, I got, I got to keep going. And then he went up there and won it. And he's got some amazing stories. He's got a book out now that I think, you know, we could use this for people to go. Uh, I think it's called The Long Way Home by Pete Ripmaster. It's on Amazon. People should go buy it because the guy is amazing. He's an inspiration um, and he's changed our lives. But go ahead, John, you can finish with. Yeah, no. And, and another thing about Pete, too, like, you know, just talk about how tough he is. There is a, there is a situation where he was out on the Iditarod and he fell into a, a lake of water. Right. And he's out there by himself and he's got to pull himself off on negative, the ice. negative 20 degrees. Yeah. And he, he, you know, and then he walks, he, he literally walks, you know, another 15 miles to, you know, a, a safety cabin and, and, you know, figures it out. And just, just, just a tough dude, just a tough dude. a wrestler dude. or just like a, just like a maniac kind of guy. Just a maniac, just a maniac that, you know, it was a mutual friend of his brothers that we met. And again, we got pulled into this group you know, and we met Pete through this group and it snowballed into, you know, we were starting to run in this kind of online, um, you know, group. And it was a really, really awesome group. These guys were super, you know, motivational and, you know, sending messages and we got close to Pete, right. We got real close to Pete. And, you know, as, as time went on through quarantine, you know, we, we figured out that he does a hundred mile races. He's trying to do one in every single state. So we said, listen, Pete, if you're ever in Wisconsin, we'll do one with you. You know, not, no, not really. No, we that's not, fully we that's fully not what you said. We weren't said fully committed me. at the time. Let me back up. So when we said it, we were like, I'll do 10 miles with you. Yeah. I'll do a 10 mile uh, leg with you. Cause you know, us, we, I, I only ran 10 miles once in my entire life before this. So when we, when we, when we committed to it, he called us and he's like, listen, I'm coming to do, it's called the Badger 100 at the end of July. Are you guys in? And we're like, sure. You know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll do a 10, 10 mile loop with you. Um, and then it kind of snowballed into, you know, we got to the uh, Olympic trials this year in April and start, you know, things started opening up registration, opened up for this Badger 100. And if you know me, dude, it's either it's zero or hundred. So I'm sitting there talking to Chris and I'm like, dude, why don't we just do the whole hundred? Why don't we just do the whole thing with them? I think he and, said, Oh, it can't be that hard. Can it? Man. So, uh, you know, one thing led to another and eventually got, got him to be committed to do it. And, you know, it was really awesome. You know, we can get into all the preparation stuff, but it gave us something to look forward to, you know, it gave him something to look forward to. And it's almost like we got serious enough to where it was like a competition, you know, like we were gearing up for an event, you yeah. know, and it was, it was really awesome. So, um, yes, yeah, let's just, uh, so you hear about this and you're thinking 10, when did you, uh, when did you kind of cross the chasm and commit to the hundred? 
Well, we committed. Well, we committed to it down there, and I remember we got back from the trials, and we had to pay our entry fee. And we only thought 50 people were going to be allowed in this thing, right? I don't know where that number came from, but we checked the website when we came back, and it'd be like, I remember we looked at it one time, and John was like, "Dude, there's 34. We're not going to get in if we don't do it right now." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 whatever." Because I don't know if we were. If I was. I, I said I was going to do it, right? And I think it was like a week later, there was like 37 signed up. So he's like, "All right, are we doing this or not?" And I'm like. All right. I pulled out my wallet, registered, put my credit card in there and said, I'm in. Or, you know, and, you know, we, I think we both hit the enter button on our computers at the same time, you know, to make sure we were both. <laughs> we, one wasn't going to do it. The other one was like, hey, I might sign up next week or something. But hey, hey listen, once once we got entered, things became real. Right? right. It wasn't about it wasn't about the talk anymore. It was it was it was for real. Like we were fully committed to doing the whole hundred miles. Um yeah. So, I mean, it, it became real, real. So we, we started getting on our own training plans and um, things got real. And we're going to, we're going to go through it in, in painstaking detail. Cause I can't wait to hear about like mile 67 where you are at mentally, but knowing wrestlers, you know, wrestlers think we're the toughest and that there's nothing we can't do at a high level. Was it harder or at least less hard than you thought? It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life by a thousand. No. By a thousand, dude. Put any, put any wrestling situation. Put any, uh, any weight cut. Any weight. Well, I mean, I wasn't a big weight cutter, but anything I've ever done in the wrestling world, it was so far. It was so much different, though. I mean, it's it's not comparable in in regards to wrestling. It's just that it was a different type of pain. It was being able to endure pain over a long period of time is what it was. Um, and and you know, and that pain came very early. You know, at mile thirty, we started hurting, and we still had seventy miles to go. Right. That's when we looked at each other and say, listen, what the hell are we going to do? Are we going to quit or we're going to keep going? You know, and and we had 70 miles to go. And, you know, like I said, things got real at mile 30 for sure. <laughs> but, but easily the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. But but but, but the most rewarding you know, experience I've ever had. What about you, Coach Bono? Same question. Yeah, 1000% hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Just like John said, 1000% the most rewarding. Take any, take any accolade I've ever done, and this is by far uh, the best thing I've ever done in my life. God. So you guys were entering the pain cave at mile 30, though. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. So talk. So the training, how, like, how many days a week were you going when you got into like, you know, the good training? Were you about two months out? You're in the swing of it. We were, we, we, were, we were running five to six days a week, maybe. You know, some days if like, I know, I mean, we had no plan, right? It was like, Hey, what are you doing today? I'm gonna go 20. I'm going to go 15. I'm going to go, you know, and I knew if I ran 20 one day, right. I wasn't doing anything the next day. Maybe I walked two miles or something like that. So, you know, but then I'd go like 20 and then, you know, the next day off and then 15 and then 10, you know, day off and then 30 or no, I don't think I ever got to 30, but 24, I think was the most I ever, I ever, I ever did. And I only did that once, but our goal was to get miles in. Right. I mean, we weren't going to run 50 miles in the training phase. I, I don't know if that was right or wrong, but we were like, we're going to get as many miles as we can in, you know, from whatever it was, April till till July. And that was our goal. We did it. I think this I don't know if this was a mistake or not, but we did 85 percent of our training on a treadmill. Really? Staring at a wall. Why? You know? um, I don't know. What, well, really, because it was we were getting up. Right. We had practice every day at 830. So we were getting up at two in the morning and we'd come in and we'd be able to run for four and a half hours. Right. And then go take a quick shower and be right to practice. You know, I, we did. It was more, it was more of a convenience thing. Now that we look back on it, 
um, we, we probably should have got off the treadmill a lot more because when we did, it was like, holy shit, this is easy. You know, yeah. like, well, this is, this is a lot easier being off the treadmill. And honestly, I got really cocky when I got off the treadmill and we got onto the road, I was like, we are going to crush this thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Ryan, 10, get this. 10, 15 miles, 20 miles was easy when we went outside. So Ryan, get this. You've been in a lot of wrestling rooms before, right? Right. We come in there with our sweatshirts and our spandex on. And I ran 18 miles or 20 miles one day. And my net weight loss was 18 pounds. Whoa. And it was miserable. It was, it was 80 degrees in the room. It was humid. I lost 18 pounds. And I, that's when I looked at John. I said, I just, that, if I do that for 100 miles, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> right. But little, little did I know when we got outside, it was like I was running, you know, 15 miles and losing five pounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was way different. So we trained in a tougher environment, I felt, weather-wise and, and, and things like that. Um, but you know, but even from like a boring perspective, like running on a treadmill to me, there's nothing worse outside. You're taking in the sights and your but, mind gets kicked off. But for me, Very it true. was my mindset. I enjoyed getting on that treadmill because I pictured myself at mile 80. Yeah. Every time I stepped on the treadmill going, okay, this is what it's going to be like. You might be by yourself. You know what I mean? Who knows what's going to happen? You're not going to, you know, you might have some music from your phone. Right. But you're not going to have anything else, but you might be staring at the open road and you might be, how are you going to finish this race? You know, cause I honestly felt I was the weak link in the group. You know what I mean? Like I'm the oldest guy, my, my hip already hurts before I start. My knees have surgeries. I might be holding the team back and I wasn't going to let that happen. Right. I, because we were with Pete and John and Henry Pomar and those guys, I was like, listen, I mentally was ready to go. But you know, if I couldn't keep up, you guys need to go. I'll figure out how to finish. If I got to crawl, I'll figure it out. So I mentally prepared every time to get on the treadmill that I'm going to do this. And I might be by myself for 20, 30, 60, 80 miles. And, um, you know, cause I didn't want to hold back anybody, you know, Pete, Pete didn't finish his last hundred mile race. And I knew he was coming in the way we talked to him. He was coming into this thing. Like it was, it was his national championship, his world championship. You know, Pete Ripmaster is a legend in this game. And he kind of felt a little embarrassed. He went to the keys where it was 9 million degrees and, and he got to mile 70 and couldn't, couldn't fit. I knew he was coming here fired up and I wasn't holding him back, even though this guy was like, I'm going to watch you guys finish your first hundred. You're going to, you know, so I was mentally prepared. I got on the treadmill. I stared at the wall. Sometimes I did it with music. Sometimes I didn't. And I was, I was, uh, you know, mentally prepared to, to, to do it by myself. Were you, when you guys were spending all this time training, what were you guys thinking about the whole time? Were you thinking about wrestling? Were you thinking about recruiting or thinking about running the race? I mean, I think it was a mixed, yeah, it was a mixed bag. It was all over the place. It was kind of whatever we had going on during the day, obviously, you know, it's just kind of depending on where we're at and, and uh, recruiting and where we're at and training, where we're at with everything. But, you know, you're on that, you're on that treadmill for a long time. So you got to remember this too. We're not together either. We would work yeah. out the same times, but we have one treadmill out in the wrestling room, the one like kind of in a closet. Oh, I thought you were like next to each other. Oh, no. No. Yeah. oh <laughs> my God, you guys are savage. No. Dude, hey, the worst part is we broke both of our, our treadmills. And it, like right now we're getting them fixed because <laughs> I, I, so, I, I think I sweat too much on it. Yeah. You, you want to hear something funny too was like the days we'd run really long, right? We'd bring in bottles of water and put them in a cooler next to the treadmill. And I know I, I used to make John laugh because I would drink my bottle and I would throw it out of the closet into the, into the wrestling room. So when I left, I could pick up all my bottles and throw them away. Right. And I remember one time, the first time I did, he's like, dude, I was just looking forward to, it got so long. He's like, I, I was so fired up when I'd see you throw a bottle out there. That's all he would coming out. Hey, well, I, I knew he was still alive. Right. We were on the treadmill for five hours. I knew if I saw a bottle, he was all right. 
gosh, man. So a little bit about our training too, just to kind of, you know, put a little bit more perspective on our training. So when we, when we were preparing for this, obviously we wanted to do this right. We wanted to take it as serious as we possibly could being very, very green, never having any experience in this field. Um, And we'll get more to that because a lot of people were like, I can't even believe what you guys are doing. Um, But when we, when we did this, we got on a zoom call with Pete Ripmaster we said, listen, you're a legend in this ultra world. Tell us what the roadmap is. If we're going to try to stay with you, tell us what pace we got to be running at. Give us some tips on nutrition, you know, things that we need to just kind of, you know, be aware of because it's going to be a long time. So the way that he wanted us to start training was, and it really was never hard from a, a long standpoint. Our pace was so slow. He said we were going to be running, we were going to be running 12 minute uh, miles, which is dude, it's like, that's not hard. Right. So us two knuckleheads, what we did, we're like, all right, he wants to go 12 minute miles. We're going to start running at 10 minute miles because when it comes to race day, we're going to be ready. Right. We'll crush this. Um, and when we get to the race day, I'll pr- I promise you, we did not stay at that pace. Um, and I think that's what crushed us. But that was that was one thing that we, we really tried to dial in from a from a training standpoint. Every time we would run, it was we would run two miles and then we would walk a half a mile. And in that half mile, that's where you're putting in all the nutrition, whether it's, you know, food or drinks. Um, so we, when we were doing this training, it really wasn't like it was all over the place. We were, we were trying to simulate how we were going to race on race day. You know, you just like you would half mile off on the treadmill though, even. Yeah. So you go two, two miles on and then you'd walk a half mile on the treadmill and then you would just go like, you know, like he said, from that aspect on figuring out a distance for each time we were training, that was kind of, you know, that was kind of not had did not have a plan, but um, from from a pace and kind of the, the platform we were doing, that's what we did every time was two on half off, two on half off. And you know what what people don't understand about this race is is you just don't put on your running shoes and your in your bib and and go do this right. So much went into it from uh, you had to have a, we didn't you know we we had to have a crew and, and you know there's, there's aid stations we had to have a crew with all of our nutrition specifically planned. You know, we planned, you know, at the nine mile mark, I, I need, you know, and we had it all dialed in. We were taking 30 grams of carbs every hour, drinking 40 ounces of fluids every hour, no more, no less. Right. So when we got to aid stations, it was like, uh, you know, I had my half a peanut butter and jelly, you know, a bottle of drip drop, a bottle of Gatorade, and we were off. And so it was, it was planned in every mile, every aid station. We'd get there. Our crew was amazing. Um, and it turned out to be much more than what we thought. Um, in terms of the support, you know, Pete went on all these ultra podcasts and built us up like, Hey, I got two wrestlers doing their first hundred mile. It's going to be amazing. This and that. So every time we were on the every aid station, we'd be pulling in and there'd be people like those are the wrestlers. Come here, taking our shoes <laughs> off, seeing if we have blisters, where are you hurting? What are you doing? You know, meanwhile, we had, you know, my daughter, we had this guy, Patrick Keller there, who was just absolutely amazing. Our wives, you know, who could get there, you know, and remember this is 32 hours. So it was like, my daughter was there for all 32 hours of it. Our wives had to go back and forth with, you know, John and whatever, letting dogs out and kids and things. So it was amazing. Um, and I'll say this one thing about the crew and we'll get into it. Pete did tell us you are going to feel so amazing when you finish this, he goes, but the people that are there supporting you are going to feel even better. And that's, what's going to make it work. And you know what, when we came across the finish line and our wives are crying, my kids crying, right. I'm crying. It was like everything that guy said has come to fruition. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. I just, uh, everything about it gets me so excited. I got to go back to the food thing though. Cause that's one thing that's always been tricky to figure out. So what was your, uh, 
you said the peanut butter and jelly was your was your snack bono on the two and a half hours we we had it all we started you know we had we so i i lived off of peanut butter and jelly gatorade chews applesauce um some protein drinks uh honey stingers um i think that was it i rotated between those and you know at these aid stations I mean, I can't believe what they do, right? There, I remember one time there's a quesadillas. You know, these people are eating it. You know, these people that are running races. Yeah. They're eating quesadillas. There was, was there a burger? I remember like my daughter ran 30 miles with us and she's like, we're going through these age stations, right? I can't walk my legs. I've got chafing. And she's looking at me. She's like, do you think I can, I can have a, a quesadilla? You know, I'm like, listen, <laughs> go have six of them. Just go grab me some Vaseline and let me lube up and keep going. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, if you want but it was, it was really cool. You know what I mean? I mean, there's alcohol at these things. You, people are taking fireball shots when they get through an age state. You know, it was, it was um, whatever, whatever it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. But I lived off of what I brought with me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Um, one time I had some uh, M&Ms. John's wife had some M&Ms out when we were really struggling. She's like, you want to, I, I took the M&Ms. But other than that, I really stuck to um, exactly the plan and, and it helped me. Did you venture off reader and have some food or did you eat only what you brought? No, man, I, I ventured off and I completely uh, screwed myself, if you want to say it like that. So, I mean, we, we, we can get into, you know, from the start, but there was a point in the race where I was so dialed in in my nutrition. And again, that was another aspect that we really took seriously in this preparation. We have a world-class nutrition program here at Wisconsin. And we got with this guy, Nick Ayers. He's a, he's a freaking genius when it comes to dialing it in. And he's done all these crazy races too. So he's like, listen, this is exactly what you need at each aid station from fluid standpoint and a nutrition standpoint. And if you do this and you stay on it, you'll be fine. Right. So we did, I mean, we, we, from what, from the first aid station to the very last of the race, we had it dialed in and everything was out on the course and, or with our crew. Um, but I got to mile 60 on the race. And this is where things just went catastrophically <laughs> bad for me. Um, and obviously, if you know me, I'm a heavy, heavy sweater, right? Heavy sweater. So I was out there in mile 60 and I hurt so bad, not from a pain standpoint, but I started to full body cramp like at mile 60. Like I'm talking like, like I couldn't do nothing. Right. Oh, um, and that's where I screwed myself. I got outside of my box instead of just staying with what I needed to do. And and if you know me too, I'm a you know creature habit. My little like bubble of food was like a peanut butter jelly and some some uh, Gatorade juice, and that was it for every aid station for 32 hours. So mile 60, when I saw that peanut butter and jelly, I was like, "F that! I don't even want to look at another peanut butter and jelly." So I went to the aid station and got like a some pickles, some M and M's, some freaking you know whatever they had, you know salt Pringles, whatever they had, dude. I was I was hammering it. And it just went spiraled out of control. And <laughs> my, I'm Ryan, telling you, my, Ryan, my, here's a quick story. Here's a quick story about how kind of we lost. You kind of lose it a little bit, right? When we were with, I remember, I don't know how we saw John's wife, but it was getting to be about one in the morning, I think. And um, she's like, do you guys need a cup of coffee? You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so great right now. She says, well, I'll meet you at the next aid station with a cup of coffee. She showed up, I think it was Dunkin' Donuts and it was cold. Right. And I was like, I was looking forward to this. Right. You know, and it was cold because we got really slow. That's you all know? you were looking forward to for hours. Was that was it? Was this cup of coffee? Right. I'm like, it's gonna be hot, it's gonna be amazing, we're gonna feel better. And it was a cold cup of coffee. So as we're going along, and this was two, three in the morning, I said, John, I can't wait to hit an aid station when the sun comes up because they they tell us we're gonna have coffee, eggs. I'm like, we're gonna have the best cup of coffee at one of these aid stations. And I remember we pulled up and I was like, I'll have a cup, I'll have a cup of coffee. 
right? It's the only time I got something from the aid station. And dude, it was a four ounce. Worst, I think they, I think they put mud and dirt and sand in it. Right. And I, and, and I'm not lying to you, dude. I took a sip of it. I, and I remember John was in the porta potty. So I got him one and I said, here you go, dude. This, he took a sip. He's like, this is so good. And I was like, Oh, this dude is, this, this dude is miserable. I went like, I just slammed it down and I almost threw up and we kept going. But I was, I was, uh, I was like, man, I, I wanted that cup of coffee so bad. It was hours waiting for the sun to come up just to get a four ounce cup of dirt water, you know? But at least you had enough uh, foresight to know it wasn't bad. Reader was so far gone. He thought it was good, man. Oh, he did think <laughs> it, oh, I was he, so far hey, gone. I think he made me go get him another one, if I'm not mistaken. I was like, how can you drink this? I'm not lying to you. <laughs> Let's, before, uh, last question before we get into the race. When you told people that you had never ran a half marathon so much as a marathon and that you were running 100 miles, what kind of looks did people give you out there? Dude, I'll never forget, Ryan, when we when I was on the course, there was there was a every time we would come and pat and honestly to back up too the ultra community this type of community is i'm talking completely 180 from from the wrestling community you know we come from a world of it's competitive i want to take your jugular out this you know we're out on the course and i'm ready to beat this guy next to me right and that's what happened the first couple of miles i was like dude i'm not letting this guy beat me i'm not letting that guy beat me you know and we're hey, out there and i'm like hey, him stop I'm right there we get like 20 miles or we get hurt and it's like mile 40. And we see these couple of like older guys pass us, right? And, and like I said, at 30, we started going a little crazy. John looked at me and he goes, dude, those guys don't have pre-existing injuries. I know they don't. They can't be doing that, right? They never had a surgery on their knee. And I'm like, oh boy, this is, this is, I'm like, dude, we got, we got to dial it back. We're not competing against them. Yeah, I was, I was getting pissed. So the first, the yeah. first, you know, <laughs> chunk of time I was, you know, it, you, just that competitive nature, but over time, the ultra community is, is like, it's, it's so much different than what we're, we're used to. Every single person we came in, in contact with was just super over, over the top, you know, motivational and just inspiring, you know, how can I help you? But every time we would cross them again, they would see like, those are the wrestlers, you know, how are you guys doing? You know, how many, how many of these have you ever done? And we're like, dude, we've never ran more than 10 miles. And you would get the look like you had just saw a ghost. <laughs> You know, and they're and then they would just like look at us and then just keep running. And I'm like, well, I keep looking at him. I'm like, dude, this must be like serious. Like 100 miles is no joke. Yeah, serious. And, and you know what? For me, Ryan, it was I'll never forget this. It was like a week before the race, right? And I'm not sure what my wife was really thinking. Like, we never really talked a whole bunch about it. You know what I mean? She knew I was getting up at two in the morning, one thirty in the morning, and getting this in. And I, I don't know if she thought push come to shove, I was really going to go through with it. You know, and so I remember we're sitting at dinner with my uh, with one of my kids and she's like, why, why are you, you know, why are you doing this? Or I think whatever she said, what are you, are you really doing this? I said, yeah. She goes, well, what, you know, people ask you, why are, why are you doing this? Right. And I'm like, I, I honestly look at them and I'm like, I, you know, what do they say? She says, what do they say? I said, they think I'm crazy. I'm an idiot. She goes, well, I, I do too. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well. I said, well, we're, uh, you know, I think I'm an idiot too for doing it. You know what I mean? But we're, this is something that, you know, so when you say, what are people really asking you? Right. And, and, and that's why we did it. Right. I remember John, we said it, we, we did this because we're, it's something that was hard. Right. We're, 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 and it's outside of our comfort zone. Like I've never been outside of my comfort zone ever. And Pete kept reiterating this and, and it went in one ear and out the other to us. He said, guys, this is, I admire you right now for attempting this because you have no idea how different this is going to be than wrestling. You have no idea. This is, he goes, this is like me calling you guys up, right? And saying, hey, in three months, 
I'm a, I want to go win a national championship. <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he said to us. And I was like, ah, oh, no, Pete, this is, it's not that far. We're right. We're going to, we've suffered. We've run. We, we'll be all right. And I kept thinking that, you know, and that, and then, and everything came to fruition. It was something that is, uh, you know, I don't care how tough you are. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's something outside. It's not like wrestling. That's for sure. It has a way of like, like the long endurance sports have a way of just surrendering the ego. Like reader, it sounds like mile one through 30, the ego was still strong for you, but then like, slowly, Oh, it was chugging, bro. It was chugging along. <laughs> I, I, was, I was ready to smash and jump on everybody <laughs> from one mile one to 30. And that's the truth because when we were going, I'll never forget this too. The first, you know, we were talking about it today. We think about this race constantly every day and there's, there's new little tidbits that come up, but, that is exactly right. The first one through 30, every person that we passed, I was like, I, I can't let that guy pass me, you know, or we our did, pace. Or you remember pace. when Pete, and we'll get into the race a little bit, but Pete looked at us, he's like, guys, we just did 20 miles in under four hours, the first 20. And I knew that was a problem. When I was, I was, you know, mapping it out in my head during the race, I was like, well, we do our first 20 and six, we could do the next 20 and you know seven and a half we do the next 20 and nine you know what i mean it was it was like i was like oh my word you know that's that's uh we're, we're flying but we'll get into that in a minute but um we were running ryan we were running in kind of two up front and two behind right and so john and pete when they would get together like this we were running almost under nine minute miles wait dude if you remember if you remember ryan we were supposed to be running at 12 minute mile, 12. miles so so John would have to leave the course to go to the bathroom, right? And I would jump up there and run with Pete. And I'm like, we're going back to this 12-minute stuff. You know what I mean? Because I, I knew it. I, I felt like I was sprinting, you know? Oh my and I'm God. like, we have got to. And you know John, right? You got you guys, everybody knows John. John would get in front of me, and it'd be like eight and a half minutes. I'm like, oh, boy. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, I, I, and if you know anything about me, just, right, you tell me what to do, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to stay with them. Yeah, it wasn't like and uh, that was that was maybe our downfall the first 20, you know, but so who looked at who first at like mile 30 and you knew there was some some pain cave going on. So there, there it, it goes back. Right. So we, we go back. I know we're jumping all over the place, but just, so, we're, we're into the race now at this point. So we're, we're into the race. race. We're into the race. We get to mile 20. Right. We look at each other. And we know it's getting hard. It's it, but we're all excited. Right. Because we're like, we just crushed that. And Things started to go kind of started to like flirt like they were going to go bad for me because during this training too, like I had some stomach issues. Every time I would run for a long period of time, I had some serious stomach issues. Um, and I knew things were starting to happen for me. And I was like, all right, you know, I had to go to the bathroom once. I had to figure that out. And uh, which is a whole nother story too. Uh, but when we got to mile 30, we had the, at the end of this course, there was, there was hills. So this course traditionally in the in the years past it's just a straight rail trail you know obviously railroads you know trains can't go up and down so or turn so they they just they literally it was just a straight track that you know traditionally and for some reason they had some work going on 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 part of the course so they detoured us and they made us go over about two miles of just straight up and down hills straight up and down hills and that's the end of the course so right before the 30 mile mark are these hills and again we're trying to keep up with pete you know, we're trying to keep that pace up and we're starting to slack, you know, we're starting to get a little bit slower, the two of us. And uh, once we got to those hills, that's where we got crushed. The two of us, the two Pete, of us. Pete, Pete said, you know, I was with Pete at the time. Pete's like, hey, we're going to walk up the hills and run down the hill. Well, Pete's walk up these hills were faster than any run I've ever done. 
You know, like he's amazing. That's what, that's his Iditarod stuff, the way how fast he could walk. Right. And that's at that point, I, I was like, I can't keep up. You know, I, I just let him go. And I don't remember, Don, you were, you were behind us, right? Yeah. Well, Whatever. So we meet up at the, when we finally let Pete just take off. It was like, John and I looked at each other. I said, all right, buddy. It, you know, that for me, that was a weight off of my shoulders. Cause now I knew I was not holding Pete back from freaking smashing this thing. You know, so I told John, I said, hey, the pressure's off us now. We don't have to stay with Pete. Pete's an animal. He's, you know, there's no way we can't do this. You know, let's get our own pace. Let's go back to the 12-minute miles. Let's go back. You know, Pete told us, get to that 60-mile mark and then figure it out. Run two, walk a half. You get to the 60-mile mark, figure it out, right? Walk one, hike one, run one, crawl one, and you'll make it. And uh, so that's what we just decided. And, you know, you talk about where we were hurting most at 37 no, no, at 33, whatever, it was like 33 miles, there was an aid station. And um, lady looked at me and said, uh, you know, basically, are you okay? What do you need? I said, I'm good. Just let me have a bottle of water. She goes, you don't look good. What do you need? I, you know, it's only mile 30. You look, you don't look good. And I said, just, you know, I just need some water. I'll be all right. And I'll never forget it because we were going another six, I think it was. And then we came back and we passed her at about, you know, it'd be about another nine miles, right? Well, when I got down a little bit further, I caught my second wind. I felt better. I had some food. And when I told her, I said, I'll see you in eight miles. You know, and she's like, I hope, you know, I need to see you. Right. You know, firing you up. I got back there and I felt like she's like, oh, my gosh, what, 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 you look awesome now. What happened? I said, I'm back. I feel great. And right. That happened at least 15 times in the race. Isn't that you're amazing? Like, you're like, I'm done. I can't go. I think, you know, you look terrible. You know, we both looked at each other and like, dude, you look awful. What do you need? How, how, what, what can I help you like to each other? And then all of a sudden, five, six, eight miles, it was like, all right, we're back. Let's keep, let's, let's figure this out. We had, we had a little bit of a saying that, that's got a little bit of back history on it. We had an, uh, an athlete of ours that, that actually was out there running with us. He was an athlete of ours at our, our previous institution. And he, uh, you know, when he was an athlete at South Dakota State, he, he got injured, right? One time at a dual meet and, you know, we're down in Oklahoma State and, you know, he gets hurt and, you know, we're about to put him out on the match. And Coach Bono looks at him and said, hey, are you a, are you ready to go? Are you 100%? How, are you ready to go out on the mat? And he said, I'm about 90. And Bono's like, you're not wrestling, you know? So the, the next week, uh, we, we're wrestling somebody else. And, and he goes back to Henry. And he's like, are you ready to wrestle? And he said, yep, 100%. So throughout the race, that was the two of our, like, joke. When we were out on the course, I would look at him. I would just check on him, you know, every hour or so. And I'd be like, how you doing? He's like, 100%. You know, so that was, that was kind of our running joke, you know, knowing, knowing he saw me not knowing he saw me not like I couldn't even get over a curb. I couldn't lift. I had to literally grab my leg and pick it up over a curb. And he's like, how you doing? I said, I'm a hundred percent. Oh my God. So what time did it start? Like 7am? It started at six. Started at six. And And if we backtrack this, backtrack it, Seth Gross got married the night before an hour away. I did see that picture. Yeah. Okay. So, so we were at the wedding till 10, 10 30, drove home 11 30, finalized our sandwiches, did this, did that, got to bed at 12 30, up at 2 a.m. because I was meeting John at 2 30 at my house. And then we had to drive into Madison. I mean, it's like 10 miles, pick up Pete at three. And then we had to go to the start line, which was about an hour and a half away. You know, so we got down there about, you know, 4.30, quarter to five, got our bibs and did all that kind of stuff ready for six. So we really didn't sleep the night before either. Your guys' sleep schedules leading up to this. I mean, I know you guys don't sleep a lot anyways, but dude, it had to be, I mean, how many months or how many weeks leading up to it were you guys doing the 2 a.m. wake up for the training? 
I would say probably three weeks out from the race, we were trying to be rec recovered as much as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, but we definitely didn't prepare. Like, you know, we, there was never in training where we're like, all right, let's go, let's go start training tonight at 11 PM and run till 5 AM. You know, and we heard a lot of people after the race, they're like, Hey, did you, did you guys ever train like that? Did you ever do any night running to kind of be prepared for how crazy it is overnight? And dude, I'm telling you miles, miles, um, 70 to 80 were literally like insane. They were alien hour for us. And it was overnight from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., which we'll get into. Um, we're just we're just crazy, dude. And I'm I'm telling you, like I you, I can't even describe to you how hard it was. I was taking a pee on the side of the road, which again, my body was so out of whack. I would drink something and I would be pissing like every five steps. Like that, that's how bad my body was just dumping all the fluids. So when we would do that. You know, I would be almost falling asleep on the side of this road, like standing up. No, I'm serious, what? man. I'm, I'm you guys serious. Carry so. so much muscle compared to those other guys out there. No one out there had to be as as muscular as you guys. But I mean, isn't it crazy when you see like a 70 year old guy or girl pass you and they're going like, it seems hey, like, go ahead. The women were amazing. They amazing. are the women smashed. I couldn't believe how great some of these women um you know smash this course it's 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 you know and and old people you know older people you know a absolutely amazing what what we saw out there you know you you when these people piled at the start line we're you know you know you're sizing them up and you're like oh we're gonna kill this look at that guy look at that guy amazing what these guys did yeah you're like you're maybe even like five miles in you're like man i should have been like a ultra runner i could own this thing and then right. Then we, we, we get to the hills. And then, so where were you guys at at like 50 miles in? 50 miles in, we were at Hollywood. So that, that the Hollywood's aid station was like, they, they nicknamed it Hollywood because it was like high energy. Yeah. I mean, it was just like a party. So when you rolled into this aid station, and again, Ryan, if you can just like envision just a straight trail through the woods, that was exactly, it's an old rail trail and it's straight through the woods. So again, when we get, you know, like a loop or like 150 mile out and back, it's just a straight, like 33 miles mile. down and back, that yeah, 33. It's a, it's a 33 down, back and a down. So when we're on this course, you know, it's just in the middle of the woods, this aid station. And these people are just, they're throwing a party because honestly, when you got into these aid station, that was crucial for us. When we got to see people, we got to see our wives, we got to see this, the energy. That's what kept us going to the next aid station. And that was kind of our mentality through the whole thing was listen, just get to the next aid station, you know? And that was one of the aid stations of, of many that we were like, dude, if we get to Hollywood, it's, you know, we're going to get so much energy from there and we'll keep rolling. So 50 miles, we did the first 50 in 11 hours. So that would be what? Five o'clock PM. We rolled in at, at, at 50, um, at 50 miles. I know that for where we did it in 11. That's, I mean, you're feeling pretty good at that. I mean, you, that's a, that's a boost, right? At the half we were, we were doing great. We picked up we picked up um, one of our boosters, who's a runner, came in at mile, the first time you could have a pacer was mile 40. So we picked him up at mile 40, which brought us a little bit of air. It wasn't just John and I, you know what I mean? So we picked him up at mile 40. And then that's where we, and we picked up my daughter and him at mile, you know, mile 50. And then they stayed with us all the way to mile 70. Um, and that mile 70 was a, uh, was a turning point for us, you know, when you start getting into it, because that's for you. Start, that was, that was the starting point of the race mile 70. 
And what we found out was, you know, so Pete was checking on us throughout the race. Like we had a guy that's, there's a guy that was doing a documentary on Pete who was like staying with us and filming us. And, you know, he would tell him where we are. And I remember Pete told us after the race, he goes, when I heard you boys got to 70 and made the turn and started heading back, I knew you were going to make it. We're like, what are you talking about? He goes at mile 70, 98% of the race quits. Cause they're already back to where they started. Because yeah. they're back to where they started. Their cars are right there. There's burgers. There's, there's brats. There's kegs. There's, there's, it's a party. And Dude, so it's, like, and it's, ah. it's straight carnage too. Like when you get into mile 70, it was straight carnage. There's people throwing up diarrhea. I mean, just, you know, wives are there putting their arms around these grown men and they're like, it's okay. It's okay. And you're getting drawn, drove away. And you know what, when I, when I, I was telling John and everything, cause John was really starting to go downhill at this point. I said, we get to mile 70. It's over. The race is over. We have done it. If we get to mile 70 and no one understood what I was saying. I said, well, all I was saying is well, all we got to do is go back. You know what I mean? So I said, if we go down back, it's over. It's two thirds of the way done. There's no way we're not going to make it. We just ran, we just ran 70 miles. How are we not going to make this? You know, so and I reader, remember you're hurting bad at 70. Yeah, this dude, I was ready to point? kick his ass. I was ready to kick his ass because he felt so good and I felt terrible. We pulled you know? in, right? And he's getting so now John's getting this uh his wife's putting these compression socks on him. It's taking forever. You no, know what listen, I mean? let me back it up. Let me back it up. Let me put perspective on this. So again, I freaking over over prepared for this race. And I was like, listen, I know when I get to mile 70, I'm gonna put something in there that's gonna make me feel really, really good. You know, that's where my wife's going to step in. You know, she's, she, she ran 70 to 80 with us. I said, listen, at mile 70, I'm going to put these compression socks on. It's going to make my legs feel good. My knees feel good. Uh, you know, I'll change my shoes and whatever. Well, I had no idea that at mile 70, I wouldn't even be able to bend my legs. You know, I could not bend my knees at that point in time. I was basically dragging my feet into the, into that aid station. So when I tried to take my previous socks off and put these compressions on, it was like putting, you know, socks on a kid. And you know how hard that is, dude. Uh, I mean, it was like impossible. So it was taking me forever. And I was starting to get pissed because I was like, you know, I'm holding this guy back. He feels good. He's over here singing Tom Petty. And I'm, I'm, over, <laughs> I'm over here struggling, dude, because I can't get this. I can't get it on. You know, all the while, too, you know, you're looking around and there's there's I'll never forget this. It's just like a line of uh, porta potties. There's guys like throwing up in them, you know, diarrhea. And they're just well, this guy. Right. So I'm trying to motivate them to like, let's go. And I'm like, dude, let's go. We got, we, let, let's get going. He looked at me, right? And we're losing it. He yells at me. He's like, if you want to leave me, just leave me. You know, and I'm like, dude, I'm not, telling you, I'm not leaving you. I'm like, let's get fired up. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't want, you know, because he's like, my legs hurt. His wife couldn't get his pants on him and, you know, his shoes. I'm like, let's go. You know, start picking your socks up and let's, let's get ready to roll. He's like, just leave me. I said, I'm not leaving you. Just get your stuff going and we'll, um, you know, and I think all this is captured when this documentary comes out. I think it's all captured on the video because the guy was right there and I was singing because I knew it was over, right? For me, I was like, I don't care how bad I feel. I know it's over. And um, now we just got, we got to get back. And this work got bad. What was, uh, so once you leave at 70, now you're in the, the last stretch and you're seeing terrain you've already seen before. When's the next uh, low point at this point? Well, it's right there. You know, first off we get out there um, and our headlamps go out. Right. We bought these hand lamps. They lasted an hour, maybe. So what right? time is it at this point? I guess 1 a.m. 1 a.m. So headlamps go out. So John's wife is there. She has her and, and we and John just tells her, he's like, turn your cell phone on and walk as fast, kind of fast. And all we're gonna do is try to keep up with you. You know, that's kind of how it went, right? 
right? And so what 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 she didn't realize is we've already been dealing with this, you know, as it got dark. But that light is on. There's bats swooping at you. You know what I mean? There's there's animals scurrying across the the the, the trail. Dude, you know, and Ryan, envision again, envision a, the darkest path through the woods with no lights, and it's just us two with a cell phone, you know, light on it. And it, it's so far into the race where everybody's spread out and it's just us. So when we were walking in a, in a single file line, she was out in front of us. I was in the middle and he was behind me. And this is where kind of the tides turned, right? And I, I kept looking back at him because I was worried about him now. When I would look back at him, I couldn't see him. That's how dark it was. Um, and I told her, I was like, listen, you know, if you see a pothole or something, yell out because this dude's going to, he's going to break an ankle, you know, and uh, she's walking. Crazy. She's yeah. walking, bro. Well, we're walking now too. At mile 60 was when John looked at me because we got to mile 60. We got to our kind of our goal. And I'm like, dude, what are we doing? Should we try to run one mile, walk half mile? He's like, I can't run anymore. I'm like, okay, let's 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 walk five miles. Let's see how we feel in five, six miles, and then we'll try to run again. But we're we're we're, we're there. So we wound up walking at mile 60. And so now trying to keep up with her um was uh wow. it was was bad. And so for me. This is the worst part for me because this is when his body went out of whack and he started going to the bathroom like every every seven, eight minutes, right? <laughs> he had to pee every seven, eight minutes. And A, number one, when we stopped, dude, he almost couldn't start again. Like I had to, I couldn't lift my legs up. And my chafing was so bad, right? I figured, and I was falling way behind those guys. If you can imagine that, he's hurting, but I can't keep up with him. So when he would go to the bathroom, I would try to keep up with them or I would try to go to the bathroom at the same time. So I wouldn't fall back even further. So every time I had to pull my spandex down was like agony. I mean, straight agony, oh you know, everything God. is sticking to my cuts. Everything is, is it, I mean, it is like, I was, I would yell when I pull my pants down and then I'd yell when I pull them back up. And, and it was like, I mean, it was agony. It was, I mean, I don't, I can't even describe to you the pain of being chafed from almost your knees to almost your belly button. And I mean, it's bleeding. My front of my, my drawers were, were blood, you know? And so the dried blood was sticking to my underwear. It was, it was agony down there. And, what about uh, your feet? Did you have any blisters on your feet? Oh, here's another good little funny story. So, so Pete, Pete was telling us, listen, we're on rail trail. If you get one pebble in your shoe, you stop under your shoe and empty it. Because if you run hundred miles with a pebble, you're in big trouble. All right. So of course, I don't know, mile 30, I started feeling like I had some rocks, but right, whatever. I'm with everybody. I'm not taking my shoes off. Anyway, in this, in this point, when John's wife was with us, was between 70 and 80, I started losing it a little bit. I feel like I have a thousand pebbles in my shoes right now. So I was like, dude, I got it. I, you know, I can't bend over to undo my shoes. So I'm like, Ashley, can you please, can you take off my right shoe? I got a bunch of rocks in it. So we stopped, she comes over and empties my shoes. And she, I remember looking and she said something like, hey, there's not many rocks in there. And I'm like, whatever, it's going to feel better. You know, can you do the other one? She does it and there's not many rocks in there, whatever. We start going, I'm like, oh man, it's killing me. It must be in my socks. I'm like, can you, so now we stop again. Can you, she takes off my shoes and sock, un, gets my sock out. Nothing really comes out, right? Then she does my other one. And so this, this takes like 30 minutes because she's, taking my shoes off, trying to put my socks back on me. I'm just leaning on her. I'm not doing anything. I can't do it. And so I'm like, and I, so we get my shoes and socks back on and it was like murder again. I'm like, Oh, I couldn't, every time I touched it, I'm like, not one pebble came out. I swear to you. Not like she's like, well, I don't know what it is. Right. Cause I'm so ingrained that it's straight pebbles. Right. Cause that's what Pete was telling me. And, and I'm losing it a little bit in the grand scheme of things. I get to that mile 90 
right? Back to Hollywood. We got 10 miles left. And I looked at my wife and I said, please go get me another pair of shoes out of that bag, right? I've got, I've got, I've got thousands and thousands of pebbles in my shoes and I can't do it anymore. So I go get brand new socks, right? Oh, you know how good a fresh pair of socks feel. Brand new pair of shoes. I walk one step and I'm like, what in the world? These pebbles are killing me. Get my old shoes back. I get my old shoes. And I'm like, I'll finish it 10 miles. Dude, all along, it was blisters for me. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you had like rocks like under your skin or something. But no, it's like, it, but I was so like mentally thinking that it was going to be these rocks and you're losing it, right? You're not thinking straight. And all, and all I had to do was take my stuff off. At every aid station, there was someone kind of there that would help you fix some blisters and put some stuff on them and lube it up. And But I was so messed up a little bit that I was like, this rocks, you know? And, I, and so um, that was it. So you thought, so you're, so even after you're feeling good singing Tom Petty, when you get on the back 30, you're starting to slip a little bit. And then uh, it, it's just every step's a battle at that point, huh? Yeah, and that's, and that's what was great. We, all we kept hearing from people, right? We would pass people like this all the time. And they're like, one foot after another, get to the sunrise. You know, that was every, we had a battle cry for, you know, get to the next aid station. Then it was get to the sunrise. You get to the sunrise, but guys, it's, it's, it's majestic. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. Right. And so he was very, very, very hurting. And so I kept telling him to get to that sunrise. And for me, I'm a sunrise guy. Right. I try. I love seeing the sunrise. And we're in a beautiful Midwest there. These cornfields are amazing. You know, once you kind of broke out of the trail, it is absolutely amazing. So I'm like, we get to that sunrise again. It's over. We're going to be almost there. You know what? That was just kind of what what kept going. And then we got to the sunrise. Um, and then and then John's wife left us. Right. She, she ran 10. So at 80. It was like five in the morning. So that was our battle card. Let's get to the sunrise. And we looked at her, you know, it's coming up at 6.07. You know, we knew, you know, and so, and so the sunrise came, right? We drank that dirt water together, you know, when it was, was, and all of a sudden we hit that detour. No, whatever. We hit another stretch of concrete. We had to walk on some concrete. And all of a sudden, John, John looked over. He's like, let's do a video. I'm feeling good. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's back. We're going to do this thing. You know, oh, this, is probably, this is probably about mile 81 or 82. He's like, dude, I feel great. And so we, 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 we do a little video like, hey, we're out here. We made it through the night. The sun's coming up. Now we're here, you know, and then that's when it got kind of good because then at mile 82, my wife came for the first time to run with us from mile 80 to 90. She brought us a few ice cold grapes, which were like absolutely amazing. And then it got better because something we didn't expect where some of our guys came out to pace us. You know, Braxton Amos showed up. He came out and walked 84 to 90 with us. Anders Lance came up to finish it in. And, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, between 80 and 100, we couldn't have done it without our wives and our wrestlers that showed up. We really couldn't have. It was, it was just it was so inspirational. And um, Were you out of, like, the, the, the mental darkness at that point, or were you still feeling it? I mean, uh, I would I would say during the night, during that 70 to 80, that 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., it was almost looking back on it, Ryan. It was like it was like a fog. If you can imagine, it was just like a mental fog, but fuck, extreme pain at the same time. You know what I mean? It was it was really it was really, uh, you know, obviously it was it was hard, but it was almost like just, again, put one foot in front of the other. And I knew if we just kept doing that. Um, and, and when he kept saying, get to the sunrise, I was like, F that sunrise, dude, we got to make it to the next aid station. Right. Um, but I'm telling you, man, those were, those were the hardest hours for me because again, I, I was just coming off full body cramp, trying to figure out how to get this crap back into my system. Um, but as, as that sunrise did come up, dude, it was, it was amazing. It was just the two of us. 
Um, you know, and, and, and when we rolled into that finish line, it was amazing. This, this whole thing just from an experience and a relationship thing with the two of us, you know, we already become, you know, we were already very, very close before this, but this race like amplified it, just multiplied it by a hundred because of what we endured together. You talk about a true bond and a true friendship through, through pain. Um, dude, just incre incredible experiences. You know, because there are times, Ryan, right? There are times when I felt great and I could have left them, right? You know what I mean? But it's like leaving, you, you, you know, you don't, you don't leave anybody behind. You know what I mean? It was like, listen, if you're done, I'm done. You know what I mean? There were times he felt great and I was, I was in the dark, you know, 100 yards behind him and he's worried about a pothole for me. You know what I mean? It was like you're not, and I think that's what you, you took your mind off of yourself at a lot of times and you're like, hey, you know, I remember you know, even his wife, when she left us at 80, she kind of yelled at me a little bit too, in a way. She, I don't know if she could ever yell at anybody. She's such a sweet person. But she said, are you okay? And I looked at her, I'm like, what do you mean? It, a, it doesn't matter if I'm okay, right? We've got 20 more miles to go. And that's what I was thinking, but I didn't say that to her. I said, B, I'm fine. She goes, because he's not, right? And we're out there with nobody in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, does your cell phone work? And I'm like, I haven't looked at it in 12 hours. But yeah, it works. I just, you know, she's like, all right, well, you know, call me. I'm like, you know, that's when he yelled at me. And I'm like, okay, we're going to let, you know, I was kind of like, let's go. Let's get out there. Tensions are high at this point. Right. And it was, it was like, but you're not. And at that point, I wasn't even thinking about myself only until I had to go to the bathroom. Then I was, I was like, man, shoot me, you know, but it was, it was like, I'm worried about this guy. And that got me through the next 10 miles, not worried about myself, you know, and then my wife shows up and the guys show up and then it was, um, you know, and then we hit that Hollywood station, aid station at, uh, you know, and that means we had nine miles left when we hit that Hollywood aid station. But we had talked the whole time before the finish. We got a, we got those hills again. You know what I mean? Those hills, those hills were when we hit the hills, we had 5.7 miles left and they were 2.7 mile or 2.1. Cause then we got to that final aid station. That was like 3.1 to the finish line. But we were like, dude, we're gonna, we got, we're gonna smash those hills. We're gonna get through those hills. You know, I, I mean, that was a topic of conversation. Once we get out of Hollywood, we're, we're gonna kill those hills. Let's get through those hills, um, and we're gonna do this. And uh, those hills, those hills got us again. You know, I mean, God, you know, I just... John, we get, we get to the hills, and John kind of, John, I, I, I couldn't believe this, right? But he gets way ahead of me. I have Anders, one of our wrestlers, with us, with me because I mean, and you, you those are the guys you should probably get on here. Are the guys that looked at us and like, you know, I remember my, my wife came out and I go, you know, she goes, how are you doing? I go, I'm great. She goes, you don't look good. And I'm like, you know, of course, whatever, right? Whatever. I'm going to, I'm there now. You know, you should see me three hours ago when, when, when bats were landing on my head and I didn't care. I didn't care if it went in my mouth. You know, I was going to just keep going. And oh my God. So we get to these hills and dude, I am literally shuffling. You know what I mean? I can't pick a foot up. My, my right leg doesn't work. My hip is swollen my knee i couldn't move my right leg so you have defended a single off. leg if you had to at that point. no i couldn't have done it a two-year-old would have put got blew up blew on me and i would have fell down and i wouldn't <laughs> have been able to get up and i wouldn't have been able to get up that would have been the problem right so anyway we get to these hills right and and andrews is like you know lean on me do whatever you're like no i'm gonna shuffle i'm gonna get there and john's smashing these hills right he's 50 yards ahead of and then he's looking back at us and I'm like, all right, he's doing good. He's doing good. All of a sudden, we're going down this hill right by this aid station. And I'm like, dang, we really caught up to him. And I look at him, and he's, again, fingers are curled, and he's cramping full body. And I'm like, no, not now. We're three miles away. This, we're there. He can't, you know. And I knew we had a lot of time left. So I started thinking, if I got to lay him down, fuel him up, 
make them make them sleep for an hour or do whatever. We had enough time to finish the race. So that didn't really, you know, but the dude miraculously recovered and we, we finished the last three miles in one hour and 41 minutes. If that tells you how slow we were going. And how was there anyone left behind you in the course or you guys? Oh yeah. No, no, we finished, we, uh, we finished 72 and 73, I think out of, uh, there was 95 finishers, something like that. And then like, I I think 60 people did not finish. Wow. And your guys, I mean, they've only seen you guys as like these heroic guys who are never getting tired. You know, you're pushing them and now they're seeing you at your weakest. Reader, when you had those fingers cramping up, are you literally can't even open your hands at this point? Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. And I when I at the end of this last hill, there's an aid station. Right. And I knew I was doing really bad, but I didn't realize like it was almost a panic moment for that aid station because somebody saw me. And they ran to me and that was like, not, that didn't happen at any other aid station, right? Nobody was running out to you. You would run into the aid station and they would take care of you. Well, she must've saw just another, you know, selfless person. She, she saw me and she ran to me like, and she was like, what can I do for you? What, what, yeah, what so, do you need? I just so said, Ryan, this, is the same, this is the same aid station at mile 30 where the lady looked at me and said, you don't look good. <laughs> like, so the best, wait, so the best part of it was at that aid station, when I saw her coming back, you know, again, at whatever time it was at mile 36, she said, listen, I'll see you. You're on time to be back here at like 430 in the morning. I will see you at 430. I got pancakes, eggs. I'm cooking breakfast. I'll be here. I can't wait to guide you home. Dude, it, it was like 130 in the afternoon. We made it back there. Oh, my God. She was so worried. She's like, I thought you quit that. You know what I mean? She's like, when I didn't see you by like nine in the morning, she goes, I thought you quit. And I said, no, you know, and then, and she looked at me, right. They, they, he's got like three people taking care of him. And she looked at me and she's like, oh my gosh, your hands are so swollen. She goes, you need some sodium, so, you know, your circulation, something's not going on. Let me get, I said, no, I'm done. Give me, I just, please fill up this bottle of water, that bottle of water, right. The bottle of water that that dude drank after like a month, didn't he? I didn't get to drink them. Cause that dude, you know, <laughs> number. I said, I just need these. And I said, Oh, and I looked at, I said, please, can I just have that half a banana? And I'll be good to go. But it was like everything you were so hurting. Uh, I love that. It makes you so grateful for like a bottle of water or like just to see the sunrise. Like how many of them come up and down and no one thinks twice about it. But when you got to run through the night, you're like so excited right? for it. And Ryan, I'll tell you what, to this day, right. For the last month, the race has changed me so much that the sunrise is mean that much more right? The, the, the hugging my daughter means that much more. I don't know what it did to me, right? The, 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 the seeing somebody out there and saying hello to them means that much more. Finding a way to be a lot more unselfish, to finding a way to treat somebody a little bit. It, it's just something has changed, right? Because of all the people that had helped me, John, you know, every, all of us to get through this thing, and to see people happy that we, you know, that we finished the line, not that we beat them or they beat us or whatever. Everyone was happy. It's changed my perspective on life. It's changed my perspective on how to treat people. It's changed my perspective on how much more grateful we should be for, for that sun to rise, right? There's no guarantee that things coming up tomorrow. We take life for granted. And, um, you know, it's it's now changed me in a way that is, is, is undescribable. It's also like wrestlers have you know, a lot of egos and ego is not always a negative word. It can be a negative word, but it's like a lot of burden to carry around all the time, right? To have that, you know, the shield on. And so like when you, when you get it literally like broken, 
by running that far and you're reborn again through it. It's like, it's a crazy thing to see it. You know, it's pretty well, cool. Hey, that is, you couldn't have described it better. Like we were, we started up at a high and we were broken down. I'm, I'm talking beyond broken and built back up by the people we came across throughout that course. And especially our crew, our special crew, our family got us through that course. No doubt about it. You know, and looking back on it and just, just bringing it all in and digesting it, you know, we're so grateful for the people that were in that bubble with us and, and the, you know, especially those aid stations. Uh, we couldn't have done it without those yeah, guys. We showed up to the finish line, right? We had more of our guys there. Gross was there. His wife was there, uh, right? I mean, people at the finish line, right? They, they started playing jump around for us when we came in. I mean, these are strangers, right? We've never met these people. And they're, 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 they're strangers and they took us in. They loved us. They carried us to our cars because we couldn't walk after the race. We sat down for an hour and a half laid on these blankets to recover. We have people taking our socks off, checking our feet. You know what I mean? And then like, Hey, you need this, you need that. And then we're like, all right, let's time to go home. And, uh, well, I can't move. Hey, don't move. They got people carried us to our cars. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, again, Dude, you know what? One thing that I think about the race, Ryan, is when you look back on it, um, I think it was so special for the people that were experiencing it. Cause they had never seen the two of us be this vulnerable. You know, like we were more vulnerable than you've ever been in your entire life. Like I'm talking, like you said, your wrestlers only see you in a certain light. This was the darkest of moments when they were helping us get through those tough times. You know, those were the guys that, you know, when I was trying to fall asleep, you know, standing up, taking a pee, that they were holding the back of my, you know, shirt to keep me standing up. Again, just ex extremely vulnerable situations. And, you know, for our wives too, like they'd never seen that kind of hurt. They'd never seen that kind of pain. So when we came across that, that finish line, there was so much emotion, you know, it was like an instant cry almost, you know, I know our wives were crying. He was crying. It was just a moment of, you know, extreme emotion. Wow. Yeah. The finish line video, you guys are shuffling is, is, is maybe too strong a word to describe it. Um, you guys get across the line and just, again, just being a fan of ultra sports for a couple of years. And I, I couldn't wait to talk to you guys. I got to ask you this one. You talk about the Q word, quitting. At any point, did you actually really consider quitting? No, we never really considered quitting. Obviously, there was a lot of hard moments. And I wouldn't even want to say a lot. I want to say a ton. Um, there was many moments where we, we had to remind ourselves again, listen, this is why we signed up for it. What the hell do you expect this to be? We, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. We knew it was going to be hard. So we just had to keep reminding ourselves. But there was never a moment where I was like, dude, I'm quitting. We you know, said I'm that a lot. We said yeah. that a lot, like when, you know, I had to run with my hands down my pants and extend my shorts because I couldn't take the tape rubbing on it anymore. And he was, that's why, hey, that's why we signed up for it because it's hard, right? I pulled my hands out and kept going. You know what I mean? And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't lift my leg over a curb. He's like, that's exactly why we're here. <laughs> you get through that moment, and I'm like, oh, this guy, you know what I mean? He, you know, and we said it, and you know, we said it. We, we said, if someone does not pull us off the course, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to finish. Yeah, um, and I'm lucky there was no doctors or medical people at these aid stations because they, I don't That's they another thing, Ryan. When we were, when we were preparing for this, we, in, in, in all the uh, details, you know, that they, they gave each racer, they kept telling us that at every aid station, there was going to be some kind of medical personnel that would deem you fit to keep going. So I said, listen, our game plan is, dude, when we get to an aid station, you freaking start skipping, you start singing, whatever you got to do to get through that aid station, we're going to fool these guys that we're good to go. Right. I knew we were going to hurt at some point, but we're not going to show it when we get in these aid stations, but there was nobody that was pulling us off the course. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. And when we came across that finish line, like I said, it it trumps any athletic experience I've ever done and anything in wrestling by a million, man. I'm telling you, it was just it was again, it was just being able to endure that type of pain for 32 hours straight and doing it with your best friend and being able to do it together. Um, I knew when we got left and I, you know, I'm not to backtrack at all, but I knew um, when we, when we got left, I don't want to say left, but when Pete kept going and he was like, dude, this is the best thing ever. You know, now we don't have to keep up with them. Um, when I, when I, when I looked at him, I was like, dude, as long as you got me and I got you, we're going to freaking, we're going to do this thing. You know, that's when we had to really buckle down and, and get serious. And I'll never forget that kind of pep talk. We were looking at each other and we were like, just freaking building each other up. I was like, dude, if you, if you can do it, I can do it. If, if we got each other, we can do this. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't like, well, shit, you know, what are we going to do now? To think you guys ever even thought about keeping pace with this guy just shows me how nuts you guys are. Because this is well, like an experienced runner and you're trying to keep up with him the first 30. That's crazy. Yeah, we crushed it too. I mean, we, we were crushing it and uh, it, it messed us up. It messed us up. But dude, an unbelievable experience. And just again, for Pete to see us come across the finish line, to see his face and to see how special of a moment it was. Because he kept telling us, he's like, dude, it's going to be such an emotional experience for me to watch you guys finish your first 100 uh, 100 mile race um that it's going to you know mean the world to him and then when he was there and he got on the mic as we were coming across the finish line and he was you know pumping us up pumping the crowd up again i'm talking complete strangers dude you you became like lifelong friends with some of these people you Isn't know it just, crazy how when you leave like like the next day or the two days after you're like missing the community of it like the oh, people and they we're we're now in every Facebook group. I'm 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 communicating with some of these runners in Colorado. You know, somebody's doing an ultra in, in Ohio this week, and she's like, "We listen to your podcast. I'm so inspired. I'm gonna listen to it during the race and this and that." And I'm like, "Hey, listen, you you got this. Let me know if you need anything. You know what I mean?" So it's 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 awesome, man. It's um, you know, it really it really truly is. Ryan, I can get a whole nother hour of what those next two days looked like dude because it was complete carnage <laughs> me, i don't even want, i don't even want to get that detailed and tell you because i feel i feel like that's i got I, it was even worse the next two days man if you can imagine that i got i got 10 minutes if you guys got i do want we got to round it out so you, you cross the line um you're sitting there for an hour and a half you're feeling good and you know like after a weigh-in you're like i'm gonna eat everything but you can't really eat could you guys even enjoy and eat anything yet or you just no they have free stuff? pizza free pizza free beer and everybody's like let me get your beer let me get your pizza i said i want nothing i just want to sit down and 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 you've seen those videos have you seen the videos of us trying to sit down um well there's a video out there there's a video of of uh of john trying to john tries to go like to his knees first and basically goes face first and three people have to grab him because he can't control his body. You know, I literally just jumped, kind of jumped in my butt. Right. And we lay down. I think John may have fallen asleep. And then it was everybody was, you know, it's time to go. Right. We we're time to go. And we couldn't move. I mean, it was that bad. We sat up. We couldn't we couldn't move and got carried to the car. Um, and then and then it got bad. Right. When, and I'll start real quick. But John's got John's worse than me. So he can. I got home. And, and I, you know, I told my wife, I know you've wrestled. Have you ever been scratched real bad on your neck and water hits it? It's like agony for 30 seconds. Well, that's how I feel like it's going to be when I get in the shower. All right. Anyway, I, I call home or my wife grabs some crutches and I get, I, you know, if I've got crutches at the house and I, I get on the crutches to get into the house and I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Right. Well, what am I going to do? Anyway, I take off my pants and I've got fluid 
from my hip, like almost all the way down to the back of my knee, that looks like a water balloon is underneath. Right? I'm like, well, no wonder why my hip hurt. You know, I hadn't seen, I hadn't paid attention to it. I'm like, no, no, my hip hurt. And then I look down and I'm like, dude, it's black and blue. It's still bleeding, everything in there. And I'm like, I told her, I said, I'm not getting in the shower. I'm done. I'm not. I'm just going to be at, and I smelled, right? 32 hours. It was, it was awful, right? It was, I stunk. I'm not getting in the shower. There's no way I'm getting in the shower. She's like, you're getting in the shower. I'm like, no. She's like, all right, how about the bath? I said, absolutely not a bath. I'm not soaking. I'm going to die. Right. She's like, no, get in. I'm you stand in the bath and I'll, I'll kind of bathe you. So anyway, she gets a nice little cool bathtub. And I, I go, I'm going to try to sit down. And of course I can't sit. I mean, I, I got help sitting down and I sit down and it was like relief. So I'm like, all right, let's get a little water. You know, and this is how unselfish this is. My wife gave me a bath, you know what I mean? Washing my hair, taking care of me and doing all that. And then I was just, for me, I was on crutches. We ordered dinner out and I ate like one bite. Um, and then, and that was kind of, kind of, are you still sore though? I mean, you can't even move or like, can you get on crutches? Everything I did was on crutches. The worst part about it was in the middle of the night, I had to get up and go to the bathroom. I, you know, it was worse when I woke up after laying there, you know, and I had to find the crutches. I was crawling to my crutches, got them, got the bathroom, you know, but John's stories are worse. You know, that was, so let let me back up. So this is, I I haven't told anybody this, this is, this was kind of my own secret of kind of what happened. All right. So. After the race was done, the worst thing we, we could have probably have done, and, and again, we didn't know what we were doing. When we came across the finish line, we were hurting so bad that when I got lowered down onto a blanket, I passed out, right, for an hour. I just passed out. And when I woke up, I started shaking like I had the flu, like I, I, like I was sick, you know what I mean? And, like, my body was just in total shock. My wife's like, hey, listen, we had shipped our kids away for, you know, to their grandparents for the week. I took this seriously. Like, I was, I was ready to go, you know? And, uh, so it was just the two of us at home and when she's like, Hey, let's get you to the car that, you know, let's get you on your feet and get you to the car. I had full intentions of being able to get to my feet. Well, when I woke up and they woke me up, I could not put any pressure on my, on my legs, like my knees, but my shins, like I thought my shins were broke. Like, I'm serious, dude. Like I, I honestly, and I'm not even joking you. Um, my, I could not put any weight on my shin. So I had my shoulders or my arms over these, these two guys. And I was like, you know, they were going to try to walk me to the, to the car. Couldn't do it. Got on somebody's back. They carried me to my car, right? Sat me in my car. Well, this is where the, the story really picks up, right? Cause now it's just me and my wife. Right. And it's, it's 45 minute drive back to my house. And, you know, and I'm thinking all along, I'm like, shoot, how am I getting into the house, dude? I can't walk right? And she's not buddy carrying me into the car or into the house, right? So she, we, we pull into my driveway, get into the garage. She comes around the car and she sits me on, on the garage floor and I army crawl into my house, dude. I army crawled in, I army crawled into my house and, uh, you know, she puts me on a blanket, like lays me on a blanket and she pulls me freaking in all the way into the house. <laughs> dude, I, I'm not shitting you. I'm not shitting you. That's how bad it was. So I got pulled all the way into the house, all the way to this lazy boy chair. And obviously, you know, she's able to get me all cleaned up, but this is where it gets really, gets really bad. And again, I cannot put any pressure on my legs. So I get sat into this lazy boy chair and now I'm stranded because I can't get up. Right. And I'm, I'm there for the next 24 hours. I'm literally pissing in a cup. Like I can't, no. I can't get up to go to the bathroom. Luckily I didn't have to go number two, but I could not go to the bathroom. I could not get up. So I was really worried. This is where I got really worried. Cause I was, I was, it was dark, dark Brown urine. Like I thought I had like I thought I was coming on like rhabdo or something like that. Like it was serious body breakdown. Um, Even you know, like Sunday you're feeling this now or like the so next day. 
So this is the next day, right? I, for 24 hours, I couldn't get on my feet. That's how bad it was. And he was already on crutches. So I was like, dude, if I can just get out of this and get on the crutches, I'll be all right. So, you know, fast forward to, you know, all the crazy details, but I was able to get on crutches the next day. And then the next day, you know, that day I was on crutches, we, we were in some recruits' houses around Wisconsin. So, you were? Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But dude, I was so worried because I was like, I thought I, I thought I broke stuff. Like I thought it was over. Yeah, we, left the crutches, so bad. we left the crutches in the car too. And we shuffled up there like champs. We were, we were walking into the recruits house. We're on crutches. Oh my God. I thought you, I mean, most people are like calling to work or call their recruit back. We can't make it. You guys are relentless like that. God, dude. I was going to ask you, did you ever go to the doctor and see if you had any fractures or anything? No, we didn't. Luckily we just, you know, our, our mentality was just kind of just forget about it, put some ice on it. It'll go away. And, and luckily I, we, we still have some things that aren't right. You know, like his hip is really bothering him, and there's some things that, you know, just still don't feel right. Um, but I'm telling you the day after I was like, what the heck did we just do? You know, like I, I it was so bad that I, I was really worried, really worried. Listen, we're back. We're back running, though. We're back running. So we're we're we're, we're all. Our life is good. We're back. And you running. talk. And Ryan, you talked about like you know two days after when we were driving to these recruits' houses. You know, he came to pick me up, and we're driving his truck. I'm like, dude, what's next? What what, what the hell's next? Are we gonna do an Ironman? Are we gonna? You know, I was already looking at the Ironman for you know Ironman Madison for the next year, and uh, so it's such a crazy what, feeling, right? Like yeah, as soon as you're done, you're like, God, I miss, I miss everyone there so bad. I miss it. Kind of like when you leave D ones, you kind of get bummed out, but it's like there, you really feel like everyone's a part of the journey and they helped you so much that you miss them. And you're like, what's it the was, next one we can do? It was such a fulfilling experience for me. Um, and such a rewarding experience that I want to experience that again, it, just from a relationship standpoint, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the two of us got so close you know, and, and at, at the finish line, Gross is like, dude, when's the next one? I want to do the next one. You know what I mean? Is that so, you drinking coffee yet? We're getting, <laughs> dude, we are this close. We're this close to getting him to be a coffee drinker. I don't know how he's not a coffee drinker yeah. already, but, but we're close. Sense. But Ryan, I'll tell you the one thing we did commit to, right? Whether we do this again or not next year is we've committed to running one of those aid stations. We told nice. the founder, we told the founder that John and I and our wrestlers, we will be at one of those aid stations, whether you want us or not because of how we know how important they were for each one, each for us to get through it, that we want to go back and we want to encourage somebody. And if we can, if we can get one person from not quitting at one of those aid stations, like they did for us, you know, feeding them soup broth or taking care of their, their, their blisters or changing their socks, we'll do whatever, because that was so important for us that we definitely want to get back. So they got the, the owner of the race was like, we'll figure it out, but we want, you know, so we'll be there next year. Wisconsin wrestling. We'll have an aid station or part of an aid station. And I'll be up 36 straight hours. If I'm not running this thing again, to, to take care of these guys. I love it. You guys are animals. Like I can't imagine, you know, I, how, what your guys thought I'm thinking of. It, I was like, you know, maybe it's not feasible to have, college athletes run that much but like if they could experience something similar just in terms of the shared suffering would be pretty exciting for yeah and that got us through this a lot you know what i mean when when, when john was I, john really really his, his shins were bad i forget what mile but he kept saying dude my shins are broken you know what i mean and i kept saying dude they both hurt they're both not broken you know what i mean like if one was bad i go maybe it's broken but both of them hurt just means they're, they're you know what i mean they, they're not going to break at the same time you know what I mean? It, that, that, that's not how it works. I kept telling him, hey, that's part of it. It's hard. But I kept, you know, I kept saying, all right, you want, are we done? What are, what are our guys going to say about it? How are we going to face our guys when 
Too many people, our team around the country knew we were doing this. You know, we were at camps this summer in Texas. And in between, in between a four-hour session, we were to go run for three hours. And they're like, what are you guys doing? We're gonna, we, hey, this is our only time to, to, to get our training in. We got to get this done. So too many people around the country knew we were doing this, right? And especially our guys. We couldn't, we, we couldn't quit. We couldn't, you know, give in because, uh, you know, our, our guys would have been like, wow, you know, they're not. What are they? They're quitters, you know, and that's, that's not who we are. We don't quit anything. And the, uh, no, I mean, that's, I as you guys, once I heard you guys were doing it, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, there's no quitting these guys. They might die out there if they don't finish yeah. this race. Like, they're not going to quit. There's just no way two Division One wrestling coaches are going to quit something. So I was, uh, I was a little worried at that point. I'm like, God, this is such a big task. The one last thing I was saying it that I know we got to go is the fact that you guys got four hours a day of mental clarity with no phone is such a valuable thing. Like think about all the good thinking you guys did during that training where you're not distracted by like your phone all day. You know, it's like, that's, yeah, that's, that is a, that is, that is uh, amazing. You said that. Cause I looked forward to that in the morning. I looked forward to putting it down and just, you know, I would think about whatever I had going on, whether it was family, whether it was, you know, work, whether it was whatever we had going on during the day, you know, how do you make the program better? Um, that was my kind of therapy time. And it, it, it became like that. Like I looked forward to my runs. Um, but no doubt about it, man, that's, that's an uncommon thing in our society now. And I looked forward to the race because I was like, dude, we're about to go have 30, 20. Well, I thought it was going to be 26 hours of zero, just, just us focusing on us, right? You versus you. We get, we get focused on how we're going to do this thing. Right. Nobody. We're not going to look at our phones. We're not going to do this. And we're just focused on getting across that finish line. And it was, uh, you know, we, it was amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing it and just for doing it. I'm so excited about about the whole process. Three rapid fire things. Spartan Combat Bono. I see you got the shirt on. You know, they're they're a sponsor of the show. I love those guys. So congrats yeah. on that. Yeah, you know, they sponsored that Iditarod race, you know. What's that? The CEO of Spartan, Joe DeSena, has oh, yeah, yeah. the Iditarod race. Yeah, so they take care of us good. They're they're um, they're sponsoring our RTC. They're going to pick up some of our you know our athletes, and you know they're a proud sponsor of our our, our Bono Built um, initiative that we're doing, where we're we're trying to you know encourage people to get active, and you know it's a whole different initiative we're doing. What we call you know you versus you. We're not competing against anybody, and that's why this race was so important because again we're competing against ourselves and. You know, if you can be the best version of yourself um, every day, every second, that's all you can ask for. And that's what, what we're looking at. So shout out to Spartan Combat. They are, they're taking care of us really well over here. I love it. Last two things. I know I'm way late to the party in this, but I just had Austin Gomez on. So excited. He's back. I'm with you guys. An absolute Illinois legend. Last but not least, Braxton Amos. My God. Yeah, baby. Guys, oh, man. You guys are over in the motherland getting it done. He's a freaking just a world beater reader. Give us some thoughts on the, on Dude, the in, incredibly title. grateful, incredibly grateful for the opportunity that the two of us had to, to be there with him to experience that, you know, that's a shout out to our Wisconsin regional training center and all the people that make that happen. Um, but just, you know, what a, what a professional, you know, the dude, the dude got it done, you know, and to do it the way he did it, you know, for 12 months, he had planned on, he had written down goals and he smashed those goals through 12 months. And just the, the development that he's had within our Wisconsin regional training center and within our program at Wisconsin, um, this dude's come light years in 12 months and it's scary and exciting to see where he's just at the beginning of his career, man. I tell him all the time, dude, that you're, you became a world champ on the junior level. This is just the beginning for you, man. Just the beginning for you. He went over there and did something that is very rarely ever done. The third ever in the U S 
and the highest placer for the U.S. ever. He was a champion of bronze, you know, at at uh, the U20 age group. And if you look historically, guys that are meddling at the junior level, those guys are going on to win NC titles. They're going on to win world and Olympic titles, you know, and being medalists. So, and Braxton, in both styles. Yeah, man, Braxton like, is on track to do some really, really special stuff. And, and a guy, he's just a culture definer, a culture a changer for our program. Ryan, that's why we came here, man. I think you're seeing our, our five-year plan that we came in with. It's starting to really come together, even though we had a year-and-a-half interruption with COVID. Um, you know what I mean? But our five-year plan's coming together. We've got the right kids in place, the Gomez's, the Barnett's, the Amos's, the Hilgers, up and down our lineup. That um, it's Wisconsin wrestling is only going to get better from here, and we we can't be more excited to to really get this thing going and get started. Football starts Saturday. This campus is buzzing right now. Fox Sports is here, or Fox is they're setting up. There's people all over the place. Cops are shutting down roads, and it's only Tuesday, so we are excited to be back, brother. It's awesome. We're fans of you. I know you guys are in Illinois recruiting a lot. If you're ever here, let me know. It's always an honor to talk to you, gentlemen. Best of luck to you. All right, Thanks, I appreciate brother. it. That's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To see video clips from this interview, go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Please go to SpartanCombat.com to support this show.